I love God's presence. Man, sometimes, uh, you know, his pre- he's always there with you, but I love uh, when you can just sense that he is close by. And he's here today. He's with us. And he wants to have an encounter with you. You hear me say it often. That's what this whole thing is about. Christianity, our walk with Jesus is not about getting right or being right. Those things start coming out of a relationship with Jesus. Those are the fruit, as we talked about in the weeks past. That's the fruit of our relationship, but it's not about those things. And religion tries to make it about that, and they miss that it's about Jesus. He's here. He wants to have an encounter with you today. He wants to speak to you today, and I pray in Jesus' name that as the word comes forth, Lord, you'd encourage us, remind us, Lord, of your love and your faithfulness towards your people, your never-ending grace and mercy and love and favor forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I told you I had an encounter with God, and God just reminded me that With one line, God is still God. God is still God. It says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this goes for your life personally, but also because we are. I can't help as a pastor but talk about what we're facing in this nation. This is where we live. I think it would be weird if we never talked about it. I can't tell you who to vote for, but it would be odd if I didn't talk about such an important decision as a nation. And we're Christians in this nation. This is where we live. And so for you personally and for a nation, God is still God. He knows what he's doing, and he's got a plan and a purpose. No matter what we do, I'd like to look at some scriptures today. No matter whether we make the right decisions or the wrong ones, it doesn't change who he is. It changes who we are, not necessarily in his eyes, but who we are in this earth. Our decisions affect our tomorrows. We affect him, but God's still God and his plan for your life stays the same. Those things don't change. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we come to situations in our life that are unclear. We don't know how to make sense of what's going on. We don't know which way to go. And sometimes we ask questions like, did God abandon me? Or have I come this far? Especially when I feel like I followed his will and missed him. Have I missed a turn? Have I, have I wandered off his path? We can wonder this as believers. It's a very common thought to not know where you're at right now. And we talked last week about this scripture, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. If you could pull that up in the Amplified, Isaiah chapter 30, uh, chapter 40, verse 31. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect 
and look for and hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Many times we can't see what's going on in our life or in our nation, in our families, in a situation you've been praying about. And it it can look like God has vacated. Sometimes it looks like, where is God in this situation? Where's the answer? How long must I pray? That song, you heard the line, listen to Christian radio, how long must I pray? Sometimes we feel like that because we're down here. We're looking at things right in front of us. And the The amazing thing about this scripture is that when you wait on the Lord, when you expect, you look for, you trust, and you hope in Him, you put your reliance in Him, what happens is that something supernatural begins to happen. He will lift you up above the situation that you were looking at. Not fit, you cannot, you mean, you just have no idea how you're going to get out of the situation. It's kind of like a maze. When you're inside of a maze, whether it's a pen or if you've walked in like a corn maze, that's the season right now, it looks like there's no way out. It looks like there's no escape. But if you look from above, it's very clear. Oh, yeah, this is the way. It's very clear that there's an entrance and there's lots of lefts and rights, some wrong ones, some right ones. I went into a corn maze once and we did it at night and they gave us a map and we're like, we're not using the map because I have a good sense of direction. I'm getting out of this thing. But the thing about sense of direction is, is that you need landmarks. Like I'll know, okay, well, there's that mountain over there. There's this here. Here's the sun. There's the moon. But most of the landmarks were gone because now it's dark and I'm inside of a wall. It took us three hours to get out of that corn maze, which was awesome. It was, it was a good time. But when you're inside of it, you can't see. You, you just can't get what's going on. But God looks from above, doesn't he? God looks at your situation. He looks at this nation. He looks at time We look at it in second by second, moment by moment, day by day, but God looks at it from above. God looks at things from way above, way, way, way above, (laughs) way, 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 way above. He's looking at it. He's looking at the timeline of your life from so far away that there is no concern really sometimes it feels like God why aren't you concerned about this particular moment this situation in my life and he's looking at the scheme of your life from so far above it looks like as you know we say many times as James says just a vapor it's so quick and so passing that he's looking at a beginning that started well and there's some wrong lefts and rights in there but from up above he sees a good start and a good finish Many times we're, you know, we're wandering about as Christians, like, you know, I thought this and I thought that and I thought this and I did this and I did that. Who else has been there trying to follow God? We're trying. God is well aware of what's going on in your life. But when we wait on him, 
There's a peace that comes. There's a strength that comes. There's a vision that comes that looks at the situation. It doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be quicker or easier, you know, faster and those things, but that you can just get some perspective. Okay, I'm going to come back down to earth. I'm going to come back down. Okay, Lord, I've got to spend some time with you. I put my hope in you. I'm renewed in you. I can, I, we can get through this because I know that you started this and you're going to finish it. And I want to look today in the book of Genesis. We're going to look at Abraham. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, in the hall of faith, I love the hall of faith, don't you? Man, it's, sometimes you just need to be encouraged that there were people just like you who believed God, sometimes for some big things. And it says in Hebrews 11:1 1, that faith is the assurance, it's the confirmation. It shows the reality. It's the reality. Hebrews 11:1, 1, if you want to throw that up there. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. And it says in verse 2 that through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. The hall of faith is about people just like you and I, who are in this world just like you and I, with opposition from the surrounding people that wanted nothing to do with God, just like we encounter, with families, some with crisis involved in it, and this happens and that happens, and it's just like us, except that the Bible says that there, we call it the hall of faith because there were people that trusted, hoped in, relied on, had faith, hoped in God even though those around them didn't and they suffered the consequences of their situations, there were people that in the same situations with the same consequences that were pressing against them believed God and they earned a good reputation. It says in verse 8 that it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him. God's called many of us here today. Well, in fact, in, in some ways, He's called every single one of you, called you out. Really, it's a picture of calling you out from the world. There's another calling that comes when He starts asking you to do some things in your life for Him. Who's been there? Starts getting some little bit of weight from God that, okay, I want you to start being my witness. I want you to get, be a little, start being a little bit bolder. And that's a coming out. That some of you are here, but every one of you here is been called from the place you knew, from the world you grew up in, whether that was religion or not. God called you out of that place, called you from there, and he has set you. Abraham obeyed him. We all have the decision to obey or not. We don't have to. It takes faith to believe God. We are all being offered by God a plan. We're all being offered an inheritance, a land that we can get to one day. Ultimately, that's eternity in Christ. But because of who Jesus is, it's not just an eternity. There is a promise that starts. Death has already happened when you say yes to Jesus. And you're already technically living in eternity right here on earth. We just haven't crossed over the barrier where this body goes away. 
And so it's by obedience, by faith, just like us. And that he left his home to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. It sounds familiar. Anybody know where you're going today? (laughs) We have an idea of maybe where we want to get to today. We have an idea maybe where we want to get to in our life. Who has gotten to exactly where you planned so far? Anybody? He went without knowing where he was going in verse 9. And even when he reached the land God promised him, even when some things start getting a little bit clearer in your life, even when your faith started, it worked. And now, man, you're walking it out a little bit and God's walking with you. And even then it says that he lived there by faith. Faith doesn't stop. As soon as you give up on your faith, well, that statement is self-explanatory, isn't it? I've given up on my faith. Jesus doesn't give up on you, but when we give up our faith, we stop believing, we stop trusting in him. But it says, he was like a foreigner living in tents. Who feels like that sometimes in this world? Just me? (laughs) And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Just want to encourage you today. I believe the Lord just wants to really, really encourage us that we're not alone. That there were some other men and women who lived before us, who found faith in the midst of being a foreigner, in the midst of a world that wants nothing to do with God, wants nothing to do with you. Jesus said, they hated me, so don't be surprised when they hate you. In fact, that's one of the signs that you're a true believer. We don't try to get hated. (laughs) Don't go out. You don't need to work hard to do that. They hate you because you love them. Let's turn over to the book of Genesis and let's look at Abraham's story for a few minutes. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Let's read first God's promise that he gave Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. This is what God does. He sparks you with a promise. He sparks you. We start our faith and it's, man, Jesus said, he'll give me eternity. Jesus said that there's eternity in him and there's promises in him and there's hope and there's life in him. Did God fulfill this in Abraham? He did. Who knows there was a journey within this promise? I will bless you, which he did, and I will make you famous. I'm going to make your name known. People are going to talk about Father Abraham for a long time. And you will be a blessing to others. And verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And why is that? Because who came through Abraham? Who came through his seed? Jesus came because of his obedience, because of Abraham's faith, one man's faith, 
Jesus comes through him one day and all the nations, that's us here today, us, we are blessed because of his faith and his obedience, his trust, even though in verse 1, it said this, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. It's easy to hear verse 2, isn't it, from God? Amen, Lord. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. A lot of times, you know, someone's saying something, I'll be like, I'll take that. I'm listening to a preacher say something, the promises of God. I'm like, I'll take that. There's a price in everything with God. It's not that he says, this is what you have to pay for this, but to, to, to stay with it. It's instantly yours. That blessing's yours right now. At this moment, Abraham, it's yours. It's yours. It's finished. It's already done. When I say something, I'm God, it's done. The price is that we continue to believe God no matter what. That's the price. And it's always the price. That price never changes. It's the same faith today for us as it was for him. Different situation, different world. But it takes the same faith for us to believe that God is taking us, right? The world looks at us like we're foolish, that there's a, an unknown land. There's a place called eternity. There's a promise in walking in God that we're going to inherit one day. The world can look at you like, okay, yeah, it does take some faith to believe that. Now, once we encounter Christ, it's very, that, that faith starts getting a little bit easier, doesn't it? Because we're like, we know. Once you start hearing God, he starts giving you the promise. You know that God's with you. You have to stay with it, but God makes it a little bit easier when he's walking with you, doesn't he? But, are you like me that God says something like this to you, both a price and a promise, and then it feels like, okay, God, now where'd you go? Where'd you go? Because if we, this is, um, it's a little bit confusing from the last verse in chapter 11 to chapter 12. I don't want to try to create a scenario that's not there, but in chapter 11, verse 31, it's one chapter over, it says that one day Terah took his son Abram and his daughter-in-law Sarah, we'll just call her Sarah, you know, we, her name is Sarah eventually, and his son, because that's too hard to say, Sarai, his son Abram's wife and his grandson Lot and his son Haran's child, and they moved from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for, now, I just want you to see this. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now, maybe there, there has been sermons that God told Terah to do something that Terah didn't do, and Abraham's finishing. Because it says that they set out for Canaan, but they stopped in Haran and settled there. But if you read in Acts, Acts chapter 7, verse 2, it doesn't actually say that. It says that brothers and, and, and fathers, listen to me, our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham. 
And we're about to hear what happened in verse chapter 12, verse 1. He appeared Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. Verse 3, God told him when. It sounds like then. It sounds like when they left for Canaan the first time. Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. But then we read in Genesis 11, verse 31, that they were headed for Canaan. And I believe the validity of Acts, you know, again, they're, they're, I believe that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. I believe when we don't get it, when we don't understand, there's just something we don't understand. We're just missing some communication. Also translation, for instance, if it said, one day Terah took his son Abraham. What, what if it was just saying one day Terah and Abraham and the family left? Well, then there's no contradiction. So it's possible. It's just because in, the, in some texts it just says, and Terah took Abram. Maybe the way it's written is just because he was the seniority, you know, and you'd be like, hey, God told me to leave. And you'd go to dad, be like, hey, this is what the Lord said. We need to go. And so the father who would be, you know, the uh, old cultures, especially Middle Eastern cultures, Italian cultures, right? Dad's in control. Godfather's in control. And he would say, okay, but he, you would have to go to him and leave. So we're not exactly sure. But what we know is this from Acts, that God told Abraham in Mesopotamia. So whether he also told Terah or not, we're not sure. But what we know from Acts is, is that God gave Abraham this man of faith, we just read about a guy, we read in the hall of faith about a guy who had incredible faith, enough to get written about. And yet it says, without any condemnation from the Lord, do you hear God's condemnation? Do you hear God saying, can you believe that I told him to do something and he stopped? You don't hear that in the scriptures. What it says is that they were headed for somewhere that God sent them. How many times in your faith has God gotten a hold of you, gets you on the path, you start moving towards it, and it says that they stopped or they settled, they dwelt there. In fact, the Hebrew word, it's saying in, in the NLT here, it says stopped and settled because the older text you might read, they dwelt there. But dw the dwelt, the word there, excuse me, it meant a permanent habitation. They decided this is good enough. This is good enough. We like this place. This is good. But Terah dies. God gets a hold of him. And it says in verse 4 of chapter 12 that they began. They departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. This mighty man of faith in the hall of faith, one who's believing in God, one who's put his trust in God, is up and moving again. He's up and moving again. He's up and moving again with God. He had stopped. Maybe his faith had been challenged. Maybe it had been stopped up for some time. We don't know exactly what was happening there at the end of chapter 11 to chapter 12 with terror in him, but we can read. It says in Acts that he was told to go and he had stopped. 
but he's moving again. Many times in our faith, we, we get confused with the Lord. We don't get God sometimes. He said to go. We start moving, and we, it seems to make sense where we're at right now. And then the word of the Lord comes back. You haven't finished what I told you to do. It's time to get going. Who's been there? It's time to get moving again. You still got to, you got to call. You got, you got some things that you got to finish in your life. It's not done yet. You barely made it anywhere yet. We got some more places to go. And it says in verse five that he took his wife and his nephew and, and all his wealth and his livestock and they headed for the land of Canaan. That's interesting because that's exactly what God told him to do. Now he's doing what God called him, told, called him to do. We could end the story here and say, wow, great job, Abraham. What a man of faith. You did what God called you to do. But the story is just beginning. Man, some, I just, I felt just to, I felt so compelled this week. I was thinking about it and I was just trying to get this thing together because so many times in my life, you're trying to follow God. You're trying to listen to His voice, trying to be led by Him. You're trying to do the right things. And, and so many times you, you stop at a, at a good place. You, you, th- you don't know. We're just not sure because God hasn't, doesn't, I haven't felt like you pushing me further. But sometimes then that nudge comes and you have to respond. That same faith that was in you before needs to be in you again and you get up and you listen to God. And it says in verse six that he traveled through the land when they arrived at Canaan in verse six, uh, verse five, sorry. And then into six, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. And there he set up camp beside the oak at Morah. And at that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then verse seven, then we don't hear any appearing of the Lord in Haran or in the journey. There's no appearing from the Lord. We're looking for signs. We're looking for confirmations. Just, Lord, just confirm that I'm on the right path. How do I even know that where I'm headed is where I'm supposed to be? Uh, You told me to go here, but it just doesn't, something doesn't, I'm not sure, I just, I'm confused. I'm not sure what you want from me. Well, I'm not sure where you're at, God. But what I do know is, you know what? You told me to go to Canaan. I'm not sure why. Feels good here in Haran, but we're going to keep moving on. I'm going to trust you. And it says, when he got there, then the Lord appeared to him. Sometimes you just have to, you have to just keep believing. You're, you could be making mistakes. You could be stopping. There's no condemnation from the Lord. It's a journey. There are lefts and there are rights. Just keep moving. Just keep going. That's what he's looking at in our life is that we just keep Trusting him. We keep hoping on him. He could have stopped and been like, Lord, where's your face? Where's your face? Where's your face? But you know what? I have this word. We have his word. We're, we're not sure exactly what's coming in our life tomorrow. We're not sure what's coming in this nation. But I have his last word, which is that he wouldn't leave us. He wouldn't forsake us. He would never abandon us. That Jesus has an, has an, an inheritance for us, whether through this life or through our death, that we have hope in Christ. And so we hold on to what we heard. 
And many times then, and I love these moments, then the Lord comes. And he said, I will give you this land. He had arrived. I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, if we put a period on the story, we would be like, man, the hall of faith, Abram, Abraham, man, what a guy. Trusted God, left everything behind. He left his past. He left his thinking, left his family and went to where God called him somewhere he had never been before. And he arrived and God appeared to him and he built an altar to him and said, you're my God. But the story's just beginning. I want to try to talk about this from this week into next week because I don't want to rush his story. But look what happens here. It says that he said, I will give you this land, your descendants. And then it says in verse eight, it says then, it says that after uh, Abram traveled south to set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. There is no account here of God telling Abram to leave. He didn't tell him to move. It says that the Lord appeared to him and says, I will give you this land. Abram got up, and he traveled. First, he was in Bethel, and he says he built another altar, and he worshiped the Lord. And then for whatever reason, he continued traveling. He kept moving south. Why? I think we could come, you know, we, we look at God many times as believers, and we think, maybe this just me, that I accepted Christ into my heart, and that I have eternity in him, that tomorrow when I wake up, the roses are just going to pop out of the ground, the birds are going to start chirping, and when I pull out on the road, people are going to stop, and they're just going to let me in, and then when I get to the light, the Lord's going to drop an angel down that says, go right. But we should go, all we have to do is go right back to his word, to the very first book, and we're only in the 12th chapter, and we see that his story, that following God is a little bit different. And this is pre-Moses, this is pre-law, this is about as close to walking with the Holy Spirit. This is pre-Christ, this is, pre, this is just being led by God. There's not even any account of right or wrong. This is just being led by God. We can go right back to the beginning and look at his story and see that this is how God leads, that you are just, you are free. He said, he said to Adam and Eve, uh, be fruitful, multiply, the earth is yours. And meanwhile, we are like waiting for God to like, we don't want to do anything whatsoever without God's okay. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, Lord, should I become a missionary in Africa? Yes or no. But we, can, some, we come, come Christians and we can't even leave the house. Should I talk to this person about the Lord today? Why not? You know him. He's in you. Just share your faith. We don't necessarily have to ask God about everything we do. 
But what he's doing in the meantime, what I want to show you is that it doesn't mean that we're not trusting. He was complete and total reliance and trust in God. We've already seen that. Enough so that he got to where God told him at this point. He didn't know where to go from here, but I got to his land. But then it says this. Something very interesting happens. In verse 10, it says, And at that time... A severe famine struck the land of Canaan. So he was wandering around Canaan. God said, this is your land. God didn't say you can't leave Canaan. He just said, this is your land. So Abram's just going about his life, just like we can do as a believer, where, you know, we're still, you still go back, to, you say yes to the Lord, you still go back to work the next day, raise your family, but some things start changing in your heart. You start looking at things differently. You start thinking about what you're doing differently, but you're still going through your life. And then we come to these, these moments where all of a sudden there's a famine that struck the very place that God brought you. And these are the moments where you're like, now, wait a second. I was obedient, God. And I, and I appreciate your freedom that I have here, that I could, I built you an altar here and I built you an altar here, but I'm feeling forced out of the place that I felt like you led me. And you even met with me here. And it says that it forced Abram. It, he had to go down to Egypt. It says that he went because of the famine was severe. He went down to Egypt and he sojourned. He he went temporarily as a foreigner. And as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram, this man of faith, this Hebrews 11, hall of faith, Abraham, says to his wife, look, you are a very beautiful woman. Verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is, my, this is his wife, let's kill him, then we can take, then we can have her. So please tell them, verse 13, you are my sister, and then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh and the king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why didn't you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. And Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. In verse 13, so Abra chapter 13, so Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev. Well, that sounds familiar. Just heard that town a little bit ago. Along with his wife and Lot and all they owned, and Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And from the Negev, they continued traveling by stages. This sounds very familiar. I feel like I just heard this story, except going north toward Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai. Well, that sounds really familiar. 
where they had camped before. This, verse 4, was the same place, or it could be said this is where they were at the beginning. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. Abraham, Hebrews 11, Hall of Faith, Abraham, who was counted as righteous before God because of his faith. Doesn't sound like faith when you read the everyday going of his life, does it? Maybe it's just me, sorry, no response, that's okay. That wasn't necessarily rhetorical. It sounds more like wandering to me. It sounds like he has no idea what he's doing and where he's going. And yet you find a couple of things I wanted to point out as we close the sermon. Even in his mistake, even in his heart that's trying to trust God, even in a time that pushed him into a place that God didn't want him. God called him here, didn't he? This is the place where, he's, this is the place where God spoke to him. And he got back there. It took a little bit of crisis, took some lying, took a little bit of a weird moment in his life. But God got him back, didn't he? God is able to get you back on the path when you stop at Haran. And he's able to get you back on the path when you're off in places you should have never been. God is still God. God is is still God, no matter what. And this is the crazy thing about God. You got the right heart towards him. He will bless you even when you made the wrong turn. Later in his life, we hear that Abraham has 300, just a few chapters later, 300 mighty warriors that go and rescue Lot. Talked about him on a Tuesday a couple weeks ago. Where did those guys come from? Because I'm pretty sure he's only been gone a little while. We don't have a sense of time yet, but in a few chapters we find out it's been 10 years. Where did these 300 servants, 300 mighty warriors come from? Where did his riches come from? It's said that he left everything behind and left with his nephew only and their wives. His wife. And yet it says that Pharaoh, because of his wife, and meanwhile, I mean, he lied for this, this situation is a, is a lie. He's like caught between a rock and a hard place. I don't know what to do, Sarah. You're just one good looking lady. And I know how the, the kings work. And I don't know what else to say. But it says that Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants. Sounds like he must have gotten blessed pretty darn well because it wasn't that long later. He's got 300 mighty warriors. Well, as far as I, I, don't, I don't know what Haran was like in Mesopotamia, but Egypt was known for mighty warriors, weren't they? Sounds like he had maybe given 300 
The point is, who cares who, where they came from, whatever, but his blessing, even in wrong turns, because he had faith that said, I'm not sure how it all works. I'm not sure how I'm going to get to where he's called me to be. I don't know. I don't know. It's okay to say I don't know because the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Sounds a lot like that eagle, doesn't it? He'll lift you up. You humble, you put yourself low. And man, I've come to so many places in my life where I'm like, man, I don't know where I'm at. You feel like your head's spinning. He's told you to go to go here and now you're there. And it's like, now there's a famine. It doesn't make any sense. And meanwhile, you just do what you think you have to do. God gets you back to where you should have been anyway because your heart was right all along and he blesses you on the way. Does that encourage anyone here today? I want to keep looking at his story because he's got a few more turns in his story, doesn't he? Got a little more faith that he needs to apply. And I just felt in this time that the Lord's encouraging us that we put our hope, we put our trust, we put our reliance in him, Proverbs 3, 5, right? You just keep trusting him and he starts, he doesn't tell you necessarily, okay, move your foot one inch to the left. You're just kind of walking, thinking, you know, that you're feeling this is what God's calling you to do. And all of a sudden, bam, you hit a wall and maybe you wasted some time in your mind. There's no waste, because as far as Hebrews 11 was concerned, the summing up of his life, God had nothing to say about him, about his mistakes, or about Egypt, or more mistakes we could look into. All it says is that this guy had faith, and it got him to where God called him to be. That's it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are leading us just as you led your men and women in this word. You are taking us from a place to another place. We have left our sin. We have left this world and its system and all that Mesopotamia, Babylonia, all the old, Lord, in the symbols of your word. We're leaving their system. We've already left it all behind. We have become fools. We have become aliens, your word says. We are not of this world, but nonetheless, your word says we are in this world. So Lord, we are praying for your direction, for your leading all the way to the end. And we may not know why we're here today or why we're at tomorrow, but we know just as they knew that God is still God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you led our ancestors through all kinds of interesting stories and got them to where you called them to be, then you are just as capable today to get us with the right hearts and our faith towards you right to where we are called to be. And we just pray a blessing over this entire church, over everyone here. 
Lord, speak to us continually, Lord. Keep reminding us that you're God and that you're leading us, even though we have no idea what we're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.